we we can get into the like the nitty gritty of the design and make features half a millimeter larger or half a millimeter smaller and feel the difference and it's crazy how detailed we can get and that kind of detail can get translated through a mold Welcome to the Finger Space Podcast, a weekly show where we will dive deep into the history, stories, and controversies surrounding the fingerboarding community. Welcome to the Finger Space Podcast. I'm your host, Nostalgia FB, and we're excited to be chatting with Jonathan, Andy, and Olivia from 3D Blueprint. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button on your streaming platform of choice. This show is sponsored by Finger Space Co., which provides fingerboard gear for riders of all skill levels and all budgets. Thank you three for coming onto the show today. How are you doing? Yeah, uh, so Jonathan, myself, uh, I'm kind of the main guy. Well, I work with both Andy and Olivia on a lot of things, everything, but I kind of do all the customer service, the shipping, uh, a lot of the you know feedback in the community, get that into our into our designs. I just, I'm curious because um, for, for all the transparency for, for the fans out there, um, we, you are a, a local Vegas company. I'm from Vegas. We've met and we've chatted it up a couple of times. Um, but I don't think I've ever asked you, how did you, you guys get into fingerboarding? Uh, that's true. You've never asked. We grew up skating in Vegas. So, and along with that skate culture, there was always fingerboarding was part of it. You know, you, or tech decks was always part of skating. You would always want to play with those as a skater. Uh, so that's how I first got my intro to it. And that was like in elementary school, middle school. Uh, but it wasn't, I didn't get into professional fingerboarding until the the middle of last year where i was at a hangout with a couple of friends and uh they had a whole setup there they had their pro decks dynamic trucks bearing wheels their you know their obstacles and that was new to me i guess the quality of the fingerboard itself was was a surprise to me i've never seen those i've only been used to tech decks and then they asked me a question of can you make these and that's kind of where it started. So our main focus originally was the obstacles, but we needed to skate them somehow. Yeah, we uh, we did buy some wood ones, and we have a bunch of tech decks. We're like, okay, we need like the pro shape always. We need constant, you know, constant iterations of the pro shape. So that's when we started making them to feel right. <laughs> so so instead of instead of uh, buying a fingerboard, you guys just said, oh, why don't we why don't we make them too? Where, of course, everybody has struggles. What were some of the struggles that you had developing your your fingerboards and, and your product? Because I'm sure it took a lot of trial and error, a lot of design. You know, that was just there, second nature. There was challenges with that, but most of the challenges came from making it feel right. I have my prototype. I have my very first prototype, and it's horrible. <laughs> it just doesn't feel right. The, the concave's off. The nose and tail shape was off. It was just off. It was awful. Uh that that uh, whole process, being able to do that, came from our backgrounds, uh, in on our professional careers. And have some fun, and you guys, you guys are definitely working hard and putting out good work while you do it. I I have a question for you. Like, if this entire thing isn't just me asking you questions, but you guys use wooden fingerboards at all? I've I've done a lot of trades with people. I've done a lot of like just give like you know we just exchanges and stuff. So I have a, uh, quite a bit of them. And uh, I use, I try to cycle through all of them. I, I even have a metal deck. Um, shout out to your mom's favorite single fingerboarder. I have a metal deck, I have a resin deck, I have wood decks, I have tech decks. Uh, so I have them all just to try to learn and be able to use them and, and see how each one of them feels on an obstacle uh, or uh, 
Okay, that's that's awesome. So you're you're R and D, you're R and D. I guess so. Yeah, I'm R and D, and I'm getting, that means I get to go to meetups. So when I I'm gonna be honest, when I first saw 3D printed decks, not necessarily yours, but other companies doing it coming back, uh, the popularity coming back, especially the last year, I just honestly thought they would be treat cheap, uh, cruddy decks like tech decks because you know we've the scene has been wooden boards, you know, the standard five ply maple for so long, you know, I'm like, why would we go back to quote unquote plastic, which I know it's not plastic. Don't crucify me here. You just yet. Um, so do you kind of want to dive into that? Because I know a lot of people have those misconceptions and how they feel about these, uh, for a lack of better term, plastic boards. Before we started making them, we did a whole bunch of research, like what school taught us. So we, uh, we looked out there and I kind of realized quickly that people are going to automatically, you know, be turned off by a different type of material like resin and the misconceptions of what resin feels like or what resin can do and the different types of resin that people don't know about. So I knew all about, I kind of figured that out beforehand before I was like, yeah, let's invest and really do it. And I mean, it's, it's, I think one of our goals is to try to sell our boards as low as possible so that people can see them for themselves and get a hold for them. Like, I don't know if you've seen, but we've, we've given away a lot of decks and we always, like, we don't mind giving them away because, because uh, we, you know, it's, it's an investment for us. You know, we, we're having fun doing it. So it's a hobby at this point. It's a nonprofit hobby. Uh, mm-hmm. So we, you know, we give them away and it's fun. It's fun to see the reactions and it's fun for people to feel them and be like, Oh, well, this is a lot different than I thought. Um, so I don't mind that people have that misconception because uh, we're here to try to show them, just try to expand their mind on the on the material. Mm-hmm. And that's an, another thing we like to do. Since they are digital, we we can get into the like the nitty gritty of the design and make features half a millimeter larger or half a millimeter smaller and feel the difference. And it's crazy how detailed we can get. And that kind of detail can get translated through a mold. So us being able to do that controls the feel for it. And, uh, and also like little things like the board rails and the riser pads. That's something you don't really see on a wood deck because, you know, it's an add-on. So we just designed it into our boards because it looks really sick. Right. And also there's a lot of material that, you know, wood can't stretch a certain way. So it, it doesn't, that's not saying we're taking advantage of that, but that, that's the difference between our method and like a traditional method. Man, that, that point that you just made of never getting that, that shape out of a mold is very true. And I can speak to that as a deck maker, getting even getting a custom mold with the, let's say, the most popular uh, molds right now are NFB molds. If you get a metal NFB mold with the, get a 20-ton hydraulic press, and you press it, it's still not going to be 100% that shape. Wood warps, it manipulates different ways. Um, either way, it's never going to be 100% perfect. Man, so what is that process? Okay, so you print the boards. Is there any work that goes into them after the fact, after they're printed? Or is it just like, no, oh, they're done. They're ready to be shipped. Let's say um, the production of a, of a fingerboard for, let's say, 15 to 20 hours for a single fingerboard. Uh, just because you want to do certain processes right. You want to, like, cure it for a certain amount of time. You want to clean it for a certain amount of time. You want to make it 3d print it for a certain amount of time so all that adds up so it, but it is pretty fast because uh a lot of the time you're kind of hands off you're just letting the material do its thing that and it's 
it, it is a lot faster um, to, especially if you know what you're doing on these programs. I mean, I'm a layman. I have no idea what you do. Um, I can barely turn my laptop on fast enough. Um, but it's a lot faster to do that than go through the whole process of getting a new mold made. Um, and that, that I want to touch on, how fast does it take for you to create a fingerboard? And uh, you just got to go through a cycle and a lot of that stuff has been trial and error for me learning how to use resin um the designing part takes a little bit longer it takes a you know it's hard to say it depends on the complexity of the design but it does take much longer to design it than it does to make it and but that's where we get to show our our you know our pride in the work is in the design but, so that's the part we focus the hardest on absolutely now now correct me if i'm wrong but can't you i don't know but you can make these boards on 3d printers in batches and it'll take the same amount of time to print a batch than it would just to make one um yeah with their example we are able to scale a lot faster so we can over let's say over a week we could probably do 100 decks it would be a lot of <laughs> it would be a lot of work for me but uh it could be done <laughs> i have horrors of horror stories of trying to maximize your batch size so there's a limit there's a, there's a lot of money wasted if you mess up <laughs> right yeah so no, I, I can I can imagine, but you know, even um, you know, making two, three, four at a time beats one individual trying to make boards with one mold. You know, it'll take if you're doing it the quote unquote proper way, it should take anywhere from twelve to twenty four hours to press one board. That's to take into account shaping and all. Man, have you ever seen anything go wrong with those with the in, in in your line of work? Like you like you mentioned the horror stories that you have. Um, What's what's that like? Because I've seen videos online uh, when I try and do 3D printing research where, you know, somebody will leave uh, multiple printers going off one time. They come back over the weekend and then half of them are on the ground. That That's more representative of a FDM style printer. Uh, so FDM is layer by layer, same as a resin printer. And uh, there's no curing. There's no prose processing. There's no worrying. You just pop it off your build plate. Uh, maybe you have to do some cleanup on the supports and it's ready to send. Uh, resin is toxic. Uh, it's a highly toxic, or it's not highly toxic, but it's very toxic and it's uh, very dangerous to mishandle. Uh, it can give you chemical burns. There's a lot of safety and uh, the fumes can be toxic if you're not ventilating correctly. So a lot of things go into the prep work. And then once your print is done, it's still a toxic material. And you still got to handle it with care and you still got to treat it as a hazard until it's fully cured. And then that's when it's ready to use. Okay, I see. And that absolutely I, I was me myself i was actually going to get into into resin pouring and trying to make different things but when i uh, when i found out how dangerous it can be i mean personally i just said i i don't think it'll be worth it just for fun yeah i, I mean for me it was worth it just for fun um because 3D, the 3d printing aspect of it is what drives me to want to do it and also uh for my experience like i i like i like knowing about safety i like knowing about what to use for certain you know, task and so for resin printing, I have a whole entire PPE list. Uh, I have goggles, you know, masks, gloves, uh, silicone mats everywhere. So I like taking pride in that work as well. Uh, just trying to produce something. Yeah. So the so with FDM, the the worst case scenario is having a spool, your plastic spool, falling off your printer. That's like one of the worst case scenarios that can happen to you. Uh, that will tip your printer over. That can cause an issue left and right. Uh, it, it's just like you can't predict what will happen, but having the roll of filament fall off is a nightmare. Uh, 
printers have i haven't seen any short circuit but uh, i have seen terminals on like electrical wiring on printers melt because they're wired incorrectly so that's another hazard of fdm with resin the biggest hazard that i've seen is overfilling your vat overfilling the resin vat so as soon as you start the print the the print head goes into the vat of resin and it spills everywhere and that's in my i've seen it and in my research i found that that was one of the causes of this man's third degree burns which caused him to have a needing a skin graft surgery like i still promote it i still think it's really cool and really badass to produce things at the the high level of accuracy that it can give you but you got to do your research and you got to understand what you're up against that's terrible so you really have to take take precaution when you when you do this man i i want to get your thought on on this what what's your opinion on people that think 3d printed um parts uh obstacle boards however you want to look at it uh wheels even are just cheap plastic that you know they it's not it's not anything like we've we've had in the past i think it's okay that they think that because when you get down to it you are just melting plastic or you are just forming a resin so it is that base material it is that raw material but what that raw material creates is unique so I think that's where the value comes. For it to become mainstream, I think I think we need more, uh, just more spread of products that are uh, 3D printed. Yeah, just get everyone to just feel it for themselves and get a true, uh, you know, be able to truly value it or truly uh, judge it based on what they feel. Yeah, I, I see that. I see that. I mean, I, the, the same argument can be made uh, when you're just pressing a board. It's like you're just gluing five pieces of wood together and putting them in a mold. I think, what, what do you think has to change or has to be done for, 3D printed is accepted, but for it to become more of a mainstay, mainstream thing in our community. Just get them out there and into everybody's hands. Definitely sounds like it. Like I was mentioning earlier, it's like the misconception of, oh, plastic is plastic and it's all the same and it's all cheap, but that doesn't really seem to be the case. Yeah, you, know, you have to design it right for it to feel right. Um, I could make planks that have slots and you can throw your board in it, or you can have something that looks pretty, you know, it looks worked on or it looks carved or it balances somehow. You know, that's what really makes the difference. The material will always be the same. So, but theoretically, could you use different materials? to achieve different um what, what's the word i'm looking here to, to achieve different results yeah yeah there we go yeah 100 there there are so many materials the most popular fdm material is pla and it's the most basic and the, the easiest material to use overall but i like to use the the more intense stuff it costs a little bit more but it's it gives you way better results so there's petg which is the same material water bottles are made out of so it's a recyclable material I love that stuff. It, it prints very well, has very good strength and temperature resistance. And then you got ABS, which is very toxic and very difficult to use and no one wants to touch it, but it produces exact, like it, it's strong. It won't snap like PLA and it, it can take a lot of heat. So there, those are like the main three for FDM. And then with resin, find like the highest quality resin we can or that is like available on the mainstream. It's an engineering grade, high impact strength resin we've done experiments with other types of resins and they they they're very brittle which is what people think uh but they're they're multiple types like the engineering grade we use and then there's also semi-flexible resin or uh water soluble resin which is softer or <laughs> there's multiple types of resins and 
people don't understand that at first and then you know they get the misconceptions but the more you look into it the more details there are and, and the more work there's behind there's a lot more information that can be uh found and it's really easy to find this information it's all on youtube and and you can like uh you can ask any like anyone on i i share my techniques with people on instagram that hit me up and ask me like hey what software do you use or what printers do you use what materials do you use where do you get this? Where do you get that? I share that with them. If they want to make it themselves, they should be able to. No one should like, you can't really prevent them. They're going to find out either way. Might as well help them. That's very, very generous of you because uh, the fingerboard community has is very well known. As, uh, people that have made decks or try to make decks or try and figure out how to make them. It's very rare that you'll ask another deck maker or a wheel maker or whatever you you ask him like hey how do you do this how do you find that how can i find this it's very rare that um somebody's generous enough to actually answer those questions yeah and it's it's not like i'm giving away like trade secrets or anything <laughs> they, they, they and i think a lot of people understand that as well because they ask me very simple stuff okay awesome that's awesome i gotta ask because i'm here i'm here looking at your your instagram feed as we're talking just looking at the plethora of things that you've done what's What's the next move for you guys? Because you right now you you aren't a big brand, but you have these amazing high quality products, and you have a lot of them. Uh, what's the next move uh, for you guys? The next move is happening right now, being on the interview. After that, uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna we don't want to diversify too much in the products because uh, we want to make sure what we make is actually good and actually feels right so we don't want to spread ourselves too thin on the variety i'm just going to spoil it we have a wheel design coming out i i i have to spoil it because i've been oh i didn't want to touch it i was gonna bring it up but you guys did the people that um buy products from us i try to keep in touch with them to try to learn what happened to their product if it's still working if it needs to change some certain way and you know after they kind of you know it worked out this and that we just keep in touch and a lot of the a lot of those guys ask for wheels and i don't i don't have a design for wheels yet and i don't you know it's you know it's a two-part item it comes the you have the cap or you have the shell of the wheel and then you have the bearing inside so it's not that simple to just say i'm going to make wheels because then you have to invest in bearings uh, i have to ask uh, is this is this just a thought or is this something you've already been working on? It's not just an idea. You know, we've put some work into it. And uh, there's still refinement. There's still a lot more left to do. And the biggest thing is that I make sure it feels right. That's kind of one next step we can take is that that next product. is. How do you think 3D printing is going to affect the fingerboard scene and genre overall? Let's say five years from now, when you guys have 40,000 followers, what do you think? It's gonna be like. Uh, I think. Uh, I think what three printing's gonna do, which is like kind of already, it's already kind of doing it from what I've been learning and what I've been watching and then all my experience that I've been, you know, I've been get, getting from doing 3D blueprints is that 3D printing's gonna expand the market like crazy. There's gonna be so many different designs out there, you know, because to make something, let's just say injection molded, you have to put a lot of money into making sure your design's right to be able to be reproduced by the thousands. Uh, with 3D printing, you don't have to do any of that. You just design it, and if it doesn't look good, just fix what didn't look good and do it again, and then just keep going. So many more people are going to catch on to that, and they're going to be able to make their designs. They're going to be able to make their versions of a board rack or their version of a bench or even a quarter pipe. And I think it's just going to give the market way more options. Man, do you, do you think there will be a day 
where these uh, 3D printed uh, boards phase out or make wooden boards obsolete or less desirable? Uh, I think wooden boards are never going to go out of style. Uh, they're going to be the most traditional thing you can do, and especially as 3D printing gets more advanced. That's never going to go out of style. It's still going to be the craftsman. The craftsmanship behind it is still going to stay the same. It's still going to hold its value. But 3D printing, what might change with that is the different materials that get developed uh, for for those kind of processes. That's going to change for sure. That's the 3D blueprints uh, analysis. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm I'm a I'm an old timer. I'm glad to hear that. Especially as a deck maker. No, man. Yeah, watch you take over the market over the next five years. Yeah, it's it's an it's a it's an art form. It's it's an art. Uh, man, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you guys. Um, before we go, I want you guys to plug plug all your stuff, plug the Instagrams, all the socials, the site. Let everybody know where to find you. Uh, yeah, so we have Instagram. Uh, we have three blueprints. Fb, which is the main fingerboarding Instagram. We have our Etsy site. Uh, it's kind of hard to find us, but if you find our Instagram, you can find our Etsy. Until the next one, thank you for coming on and stay safe. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Finger Space Podcast. Thanks for skating by, and don't forget to nosebonk that subscribe button and dark slide on over to our Discord server. This episode was produced by Finger Space Co. and hosted by Nostalgia FB. Big thanks to all guests and listeners.